Welcome to the Big Sky Astrology Podcast with April Elliott Kent and me, producer and co-host Jen Brown. Hey friends, Jen here. Today is January 11th, 2021, and here with me, of course, is my friend, who's in a blanket fort with me, <laughs> astrologer April Elliott Kent. Hi, April. <laughs> Jen, if our listeners can see my situation that I've rigged up here to do the podcast today, I'm an exile from my home because of internet reasons. So I'm over at a neighbor's place and I'm in, I'm literally in a, in a fort here. I've got a little quilt that is covering me up so that we get decent sound quality here. So I, I hope it's working, Jen. You're a real trooper pal because when we first started talking, you sounded super echoey and you grabbed yeah. a blanket and you put it over the microphone and over your laptop. And we're just kind of trying. We're just hoping it works. We're trying it. We're trying. We're being inventive in the spirit of the new moon in Capricorn, which we'll be talking about today. That's right. That is exactly what Capricorn would do, because last week you were talking about mm -hmm. how Capricorn can open the cupboards and just make anything for dinner from an array of weird objects. And Absolutely. here you are creating a space to record in. It doesn't get weirder than, I mean, <laughs> I really wish I could take a picture, but unfortunately I'm inside the belly of the beast, so I'm not able to do that. There will be no photos. Sorry, listeners. There will be no photographic. You just have to take our word for it. This is really quite something. Well, hello, my friend. Hello. And here we are, and we're already well into 2021 as we speak. And we wanted to start out by thanking our wonderful listenership because yeah. we realized that we reached a very big milestone in the last few days. You want to tell the listeners about it? It took about nine months to get to 25,000 downloads, and in just the last four months, we've reached 50,000 downloads. much rejoicing. Exactly. One of our favorite <laughs> lines from Monty Python, of course. That's right. Well, we're very happy. We're very grateful. 50,000 times we've been downloaded. Isn't that kind of wild? It's a satisfying number. Yeah. It feels really good. Yeah. And we really want to thank everybody who's been virtually tuning in each week. And it has really been a great pleasure to be bringing this to you. I feel very happy at how we've ended up in our first year of podcasting, Jen. Not too bad for two people that didn't really know what they were doing to begin with to podcast, and we've already reached 50,000 downloads. I think that's pretty good. And look how far we've come. I went yes. from recording in my closet to now recording in a blanket fort. <laughs> <laughs> Let's call it progress. Let's. <laughs> Let's call it that indeed. Oh. Well, since I'm suffocating in here, I suppose we should just kind of move along and get onto this very packed show sheet. It's very busy this week. It is. Well, we started off this week, pal, with Mercury joining up with Jupiter on January 11th in the sign of Aquarius at 5 degrees 15 minutes. A lot of planets are going to start parading through the sign of Aquarius. What does this tell us when Mercury joins Jupiter? What Jupiter does is amplify whatever planet it's connecting with. Mercury and Jupiter, in a lot of ways, are diametrically opposed. Mercury is about small bits of information, ideas, little scraps of data. Jupiter is the planet that wants to make that into something bigger. It wants to take all those little pieces and make it into something more. And the analogy I've always liked to use for this one is quilting. 
With Mercury, you have all these tiny little scraps of fabric that you've been collecting, and they're all different patterns and colors and shapes. Jupiter is a planet that takes all those little scraps together and sews them into something that has a cohesive pattern. I love that. Yeah, I kind of like the combination of planets, even though it doesn't seem like it should work. Now, what it does do as well is it takes our ideas and encourages them to be bigger, to be more than they are. You know, we would say, if we're thinking in terms of keywords, we would say this is a combination of big ideas and reinterpretation of old stories, because that's the Mercury part. Insights that are very innovative, because this is happening in Aquarius. So in a lot of ways, it's a really, really good combination to be kicking off this, as you said, ever accelerating mass of planetary energy is going to be happening in Aquarius over the next month or so, month and a half. It's about the story we're going to tell. And the bigger story is more than just the sum of its parts. That's happening on January 11th at 9.19 a.m. Pacific time. Perfect. Now, Jen... Yes, pal. Do you know what time it is? <laughs> it's fort time. <laughs> it's blanket fort time. <laughs> it's moonwatch. Moonwatch. Play it. <laughs> My friend, you really brought it that time. Thank you so much. I can tell you're back to 100%. I am definitely feeling 100%. Oh, yeah. good for you. That's fantastic. <laughs> Moonwatch. This week we have our first new moon of the new year. It's the new moon at 23 degrees and 13 minutes of Capricorn on January 12th at 9 p.m. Pacific time on the Sabian symbol, a woman entering a convent. Okay. One of my favorites. That feels very contemplative to me. It does. Generally, the new moon in Capricorn each year is when we initiate new plans because Capricorn is specifically a planning and projecting into the future planet. It's about our ambitions. I've been you know, joking with you for the last few weeks that I've been sitting down with all my planners and plotting my objectives for world domination. So, <laughs> I mean, I am joking about that. But at the same time, I do have Saturn in Capricorn. So I'm kidding on the square a little bit there because Capricorn wants to master the physical world. That's its realm. It's the last of the Earth sign planets. And all of the Earth sign planets are preoccupied with thoughts of the physical world. And Capricorn wants to do everything it can with what it has available to it. It will not take no for an answer. And if the wireless connection goes down, then you switch to the other one you have in the house. And if that one doesn't work, you go to a neighbor's house. And if that is still isn't working, you build a blanket fort. Absolutely. Not surprising you, this new moon is almost exactly in a conjunction with my natal Saturn. I actually was just going to say that because yeah. as you were talking about Saturn and Capricorn, I thought, oh yeah, April Saturn is right there, very close to that degree. Yeah. I even like the Sabian symbol, a woman entering a convent, because being in this blanket fort is very much like being in a convent. <laughs> and from this window, if I could see the window, which I can't because I'm under a blanket, you would see the Carmelite Monastery here in our neighborhood. So it's kind of appropriate Aww. to be thinking of this. Nice. The new moon point, again at 23 degrees and 13 minutes of Capricorn, is in a conjunction with Pluto. 
you know, we've been really celebrating planets beginning to move into Aquarius as we should, but we shouldn't forget that Pluto is still in the neighborhood, in the Capricorn neighborhood. Yeah. I was telling you that I've been watching that old HBO series, The Leftovers. Yes. That's what I did with my week oh, off. I love that show. It's fantastic. The premise of The Leftovers is that suddenly one day, 2% of the world's population simply vanishes, just disappears. I don't know why this made me think of it, the sun and the moon with Pluto, but it does because it's like all these other planets, all this other energy is moving off to an unseen place, this exciting Aquarius other world. But Pluto's left behind. Pluto is there still in Capricorn. He was there before everybody else joined the party. Everybody's moved on to another party and there he is holding down the fort. The blanket fort. The blanket fort. <laughs> and wondering where everybody went. Where did everybody go? Well, he has the sun and moon right there with him. Yeah. And since they're so close to Pluto, I think that we can take our message a little bit from the Fonabel tarot card that we were talking about a couple of weeks ago, the card of death and what Juanita wrote about it. And that, you know, everything is going exactly as it should. And that's a comforting and interesting way to think of Pluto. And to think in particular of this new moon conjunct Pluto, because as we know, the new moon is a very dark time of the cycle. It's bright with promise. We're starting from ground zero, and that's always kind of an exciting place to be. But it's not what you'd call a bright, sunny, necessarily happy, trusting phase of the moon. The idea that we are in the dark, figuratively, we don't know what lies ahead. We have hope. We have ambition because it's in Capricorn. But we don't know how it's going to go. We don't know how it's all going to unfold. We just know that this little seed we're planting is in close proximity to Pluto. And the only way it can grow into anything is if we embrace Pluto. And Pluto is the planet of deep transformative change. And if we're not willing to do that, anything we plant at this new moon can't really grow into its full potential. So as we begin this first new moon of this new year, while we are, you know, practicing optimism and all of that with Jupiter and Aquarius and Saturn now, part of us is still stuck in that Capricorn place, in that Pluto place. And there are things that still need to be transformed within us and that we still need to let go of. That's very deep. It is deep. You can come to a lot of deep thoughts when you're under a blanket <laughs> for it. You, you can't, you're very focused. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and it also can be very frustrating for Pluto. Maybe it's similar to you this morning, April, trying to get on the internet in three different ways and then finally having to go somewhere else and that doesn't work and then building a blanket for it. Yeah. Okay, that sort of works, so we'll go with it. It's a good metaphor. Yeah. We'll go with it. That does work. Mm -hmm. And being tenacious, which is Capricorn's forte, or fort, as some people <laughs> pronounce it. <laughs> I already have a feeling what the title's going to be. <laughs> I think so. So the big signatures of the new moon chart, other than the sun and the moon in a conjunction with Pluto, are Mercury and Jupiter and Saturn making a square to Mars and Uranus. And we're going to break those down throughout this episode, and that will help us build a fuller picture of this new moon. Speaking of which, Mercury squares Uranus this week, January 12th at 7 a.m. Pacific time, 6 degrees, 43 minutes of Aquarius and Taurus. Mercury in Aquarius, Uranus and Taurus, of course. This is the closing square from a cycle that actually began April 30th, 2020, and now we're at the last closing square here. Mm -hmm. 
How does this impact us this week? It works a little bit like Mercury retrograde. And we are, of course, going to have another Mercury retrograde period that starts, I think, on January 30th. Right. Yes. And we are in the shadow period of that as of the 15th. So that's later this week. Okay. So we've got a double whammy here. We've got the unstable energy of Mercury with Uranus and furthermore, Mercury going into its shadow, which the retrograde periods are about going within. And the instability in this case really comes from trying to push things to unfold in a particular way. Yeah. You know, like I thought, I'll just record the podcast at home. You know, that's not going to happen. <laughs> you have to you have to just keep rolling with it. And the problem is that Mercury is in Aquarius, which is a fixed sign. And for all that we think of Aquarius rightly as innovative and thinking outside the box, it wants to do it on its own terms. And it likes to start from a very stable platform of a more Saturnian place. So Mercury being in Aquarius doesn't love being in this changeable state of squaring Uranus, of getting ready to go retrograde. And that's just something to keep our eyes on for this week and just build it into your week, knowing that things might go a little bit awry, you know, in a business like mine, it'll be, oh, I may be having some Zoom problems or communication problems with clients about the time that a session is supposed to start or things that I've sent people that have not gotten there and just apply that same kind of thinking to whatever it is that you do, dear listener, in your daily life. Double check emails and communications. And if you can wait to buy a brand new computer, maybe wait. But sometimes that doesn't work. So it does not work. You just have to do it anyway. Mercury likes to mess with us. Yeah. He wants to um, take the systems that we've been relying on and sort of kick the leg out from under them so <laughs> that we have to think it through again. Or throw a blanket over them. Or throw a blanket. <laughs> it's hot under here. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I bet. Oh, my gosh. Which would feel good if you're in snowy Minnesota, but you're in Southern California and probably doesn't. Yeah, and it's actually a pleasant morning. And, and I'm in a house that is very cold because I've never figured out how to turn on the heat. <laughs> but it's not a problem at the moment, I can tell Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Well, what do we have up next on the sheet, my friend? Next, we have Mars and Taurus squaring Saturn on January 13th. This happens early in the sign, three degrees and four minutes. It's on a Sabian symbol that I like quite a lot. Tell us about it. The Sabian symbol for four Taurus, where Mars is, the rainbow's pot of gold, which I love. That is a nice one. We talked about that in episode 22, mm -hmm. Taurus New Moon, because that's where the Taurus New Moon was that week. Oh, how very interesting. That was also the episode my parents were in. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, I think that what we might be able to take from that is this is a moment when Mars will lines up with the intentions of that new moon, of that Taurus New Moon. From April, last April. Yeah. And it is the last of three squares that will have happened between Mars and Saturn. The first was on August 24th, 2020, and we talked about that in episode 40. Mars versus Saturn, Virgo versus Sagittarius, April versus gravity. <laughs> <laughs> I like that, Dino. And then we had the second of the squares on September 29th, 2020. We discussed that in episode 49. Saturn and Pluto leave the station. I can link those in the show notes. But in general, Mars square Saturn can be kind of a difficult aspect, can it, pal? 
Well, yeah, because Mars is all about will and force. We're going to make it happen, whatever it is that we decide we want to make happen in the world, whatever we maybe started to put into motion back in May at that new moon. And Mars is, (laughs) in Taurus, is very bullish. It is determined and it will not be stopped. So it is very forceful. But Saturn, naturally enough, his job is to say, now, wait a minute, not so fast. I don't know, in most cases, my money is on Saturn in such a configuration. How come? Well, because Saturn is the planet of boundaries, of limitation. It represents the highest, thickest, strongest fence that you could build with a moat around it. Such are its boundaries. But Mars is going to really try to make a dent in that fortress. It's a very determined Mars. It was frustrated for a long time in Aries. So it will try and it may find a way in. But the way Mars in Taurus seems to work is it's about patience and taking your time and being willing to wait a situation out. That doesn't work real well with a square. A square really wants to force things and you know, feels the need to make something happen. Extreme stubbornness really is the message of this one because, again, Mars is in Taurus, fixed sign. Saturn's in Aquarius, a fixed sign. When they met previously, they were in the cardinal signs, and it was all about that struggle that we had in the last part of last year about Mars being in its strongest sign, Aries, but not being able to make forward movement because of its difficult aspects to the Capricorn planets and because of its extended retrograde period. So Mars and Taurus is kind of slowing all that down anyway. Aries will just keep bashing its head against the wall, but Mars and Taurus doesn't work that way. It will wait you out. And maybe that's just how this particular square is going to look, is people being really entrenched in their own positions and not willing to yield any quarter to each other. Well, when you have the gas pedal and the brakes going at the same time, it's hard to move forward. Yeah. You know, Mars is the gas pedal, Saturn's the brakes. And the only way to really move, if you've ever tried driving with one foot on the gas pedal and one foot on the brakes, is to go very slowly. Yeah. So that makes a lot of sense. This will be slow, but it's nice to finish up this sequence of squares and just going back to late August and late September and thinking, if you can, what things you were trying to make headway with and really probably not having a lot of luck. And now is the time to take the ones that are the most viable, that are most meaningful to you and really plant your hooves in the ground Mm -hmm. and be willing to wait it out. Yeah. It's not the usual vision that we get of something like Mars square Saturn. Mars is usually much feistier and really trying harder to make a breakthrough. And this Mars is just, well, I can wait. More patient than usual. Mm hmm. So I think we can close the door on Mars square Saturn, huh? Let's please. Yes. <laughs> I, I think three times with that one is the charm. And I think we have laid that one to rest. We've sent that one out to pasture. <laughs> As it were. I should say, with Mars and Taurus. All right. With a warm blanket. And what's next on the show sheet? Well, next we have Venus trying Uranus on January 13th, 3.02 a.m. Pacific. And that is followed the next day by Uranus turning direct on January 14th in the early hours of the morning Pacific time. 
And I'm kind of combining these two in my mind because Venus trying Uranus suggests positive changes because Uranus is always, things are going to be in a changeable state. They're going to be in flux. And that is true with relationships and financial matters, both of which are symbolized by Venus. And I think that what we're going to see here are some quiet breakthroughs, some positive developments, some positive changes in relationship or finance. Now, as soon as I say that, I could also make the case that sometimes what will happen when you have a trine is that things that have been brewing, that have been under wraps for a while with regard to the planets in question, let's say that a breakup has been coming for a long time and both parties know it. This is a moment it can possibly happen because the energy between Venus and Uranus is uninterrupted. And it says, if you've been needing to change things in this area, well, now's the time. Sometimes that means a breakup with someone. Sometimes it means you're getting together with someone, finally. And sometimes it just means your relationship has gotten to one of those points that relationships periodically get to, where things need to be changed up a little bit. You know that people need to have a little more time to themselves or a little more concentrated time together or whatever it is that has been missing from the relationship. So this is an opportunity for that to change. I think because Venus and Uranus are both in Earth signs at the time of this trine, it is also specifically relative to financial matters. And we'll see what that means for the overall economy. But it could also just mean in your own personal financial situation, there is some kind of change and it can be a favorable one. So again, maybe this goes back to some kind of stimulus package or something like that. I mean, that's been in a constant state of flux. Something's going to have to be resolved there at some point. And maybe the Venus trying Uranus is it. We're also looking at Uranus at the time of this aspect. He's really slowing down. He's been retrograde for a while. Now he's going to turn direct. Yeah, and he's at about seven degrees Taurus there. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we said that. And you have mentioned that it's when planets station or when they stand still or appear to stand still in the sky that they are the most powerful. You feel the effects of them the most. Yeah, they get the little exclamation point after it mm -hmm. during these stations. Uranus turned retrograde last on August 15th at 10 degrees of Taurus, so it's not too far off that point. But especially if you have planets or points in your chart between, say, 6 and 10 degrees of fixed signs, this combination, this Venus trying Uranus and also Uranus turning direct, and the 10 degrees harks back to where Uranus was when it turned retrograde in August, you'll be particularly, I think, feeling the winds of change. Oh, fun. Yes, around <laughs> January 13th and 14th. At the same time, Mars is square Saturn, and Mars is, again, you know, trying to dig in its hooves and saying, I'm not going anywhere. But Venus is saying, I don't know, I'll go. It's a Capricorn. It's very pragmatic, and it will go the way it makes sense to go. Mm -hmm. The Sabian symbol for Venus at that trine is a veiled prophet of power, prophet, P-R-O-P-H-E-T, not profit like profit and loss. Right. So it does have to do with power. It's like, where does our power lie in relationship, in financial matters? And if we're feeling fairly empowered in those areas, then Uranus is a pretty nice influence by trine. And if we're feeling disempowered in those areas, that's where this will tend to be a little bit of a tricky week mm -hmm. for those things. 
Venus in Capricorn is ruling over Uranus and Taurus because Venus rules Taurus. But it's funny because I think of Uranus stationing as very impactful, you know? Mm -hmm. So I don't know who has the upper hand there or if they're just holding hands. <laughs> I think they're just holding hands. I think that's what the trine says. It's the unimpeded exchange of energy with a trine. So it's a good time to make changes that we need to make in these areas of our lives. But keep an eye on the 14th, because those stations of the outer planets, as we've said before, can be kind of disruptive, especially when it's Uranus. Yeah, and we usually look at a few days on either side of that, right? Right. And now that Mars is getting really close to Uranus, which we'll talk about more next week, then I think that is really triggering the more unpredictable elements of Uranus and Taurus. We'll see. Be an interesting week, won't it? Yeah. What do we have next, pal? Well, speaking of power, and on the same day as Uranus turning direct, we have the sun making its exact conjunction to Pluto. And that was what we saw in the new moon chart, right? We saw the sun and the moon getting ready to make that conjunction. Yes. But it took a few extra days to get there. So this is the sun's conjunction with Pluto. And it is about a consolidation of personal and professional power. It's the moment in the year when we shine by achieving. We shine by letting ourselves be empowered and honoring our personal power. Because Pluto always wants to denigrate that. Pluto is more about the power of the collective, the power of the collective good, and that the individual is a lot less important in that way of thinking. But the sun coming together with Pluto says, well, only by being truly ourselves and being empowered to be truly ourselves can we be in a position to make the best possible contribution to society, to the collective. So there's definitely a part to be played by the sun when it comes to power. But, you know, as sun comes together with Pluto, we have to be a little bit careful with how we express that power, how we embody that feeling of power. And we'll see that probably in the news around that couple of days, stories about leaders, various world leaders, and how they are dealing with power, how they are expressing their power and cooperating with each other or not. Because the sun in the chart of a country represents the leader of that country, is that right? Correct. Okay. Or leaders, plural. We shall see. And there's that word power again. Mm -hmm. You know, a couple of transits ago, you mentioned the Venus trine Uranus on a veiled prophet of power. And here's power again, but in a different context. Well, it's also the Sabian symbol is a funny one. It's 25 Capricorn, an oriental rug dealer. And this was the old term for carpets and rugs that were made in Turkey and, you know, that part of the East. Asia. Yeah. yeah. The language is dated, but yeah. So what's interesting to me about it is that it has in it that idea of dealing, of being a dealer. I think it's a complex symbol. It's not necessarily the totality of the way I'd interpret it. But in this particular instance, it's we're talking about power and we're talking about leaders with this idea of dealing, of negotiating, that that is where some of the power comes from, is being in a position to not just have your own way, but to work on behalf of the collective as a leader. Mm -hmm. There are times when we are very intent on getting something we care very deeply about, and we think it is for the collective good, and that the ends justify the means. This is a conjunction 
that asks us to rethink that. Do the ends justify the means? There are situations where it may seem expedient and the right thing to do in the long run to cut corners, to be aggressive, to try to overpower people. But I think that we probably know in our hearts that in the long run, that's never going to lead any place good. And that is the struggle of the sun coming together with Pluto. It's very explosive. This can be, if you imagine a leader, you know, we have seen leaders, especially last century, who used power in a very toxic way and used their personal charisma and power in a really corrosive way. And that is the warning of the sun conjunct Pluto. It says you have to respect the power that is endowed in you when you are the right person for the right moment. And people listen to what you have to say and you have great power. And the challenge is to not take that on personally because it's not about you. It's about you being a conduit for this great power to unite people. So it's a powerful energy. It's fast. We have it every year. Mm-hmm. It's only a couple of days long. Yeah. But in the context of a lot of other things that have been happening, and in the context of the new moon chart, it gives it a little more weight because the energy carries really for the full cycle, the full 28 and a half day cycle. Well, that's all pretty heavy, isn't it? It sure is. Mm -hmm. Well, we finish the week on an interesting note. We'll have the one and only square between Jupiter and Uranus that we will have this time around on January 17th at 2.49 p.m. Pacific time. Jupiter and Uranus have its synodic cycle of coming together in a conjunction every 13 to 14 years. And they came together last in June of 2010. They had a three-time conjunction, and it ended in January 2011. Then there was an opening square between them, August 2013 through April 2014. And then there was the opposition, December 2016 through September of 2017, which seems particularly interesting at the moment where we find ourselves because this aspect is exact only a few days before the inauguration of the U.S. president. And we had the last inauguration, of course, when the Jupiter was opposed Uranus back in early 2017. And probably something started back in June of 2010 to January of 2011 that this square is finishing up, huh? Yeah, most likely. And Jupiter again expands what it touches. We saw that last year in the several times that Jupiter came together in a conjunction with Pluto. And we really saw that sinking with the timeline of the coronavirus and the response to that. A square is a little bit different than a conjunction. At the conjunction, there's a lot of power, but it's all really concentrated. And I think when planets are square each other, the energy is quite different. Let's say you have a couple of young dogs in a pen, right? Mm -hmm. That's a conjunction. They're together. They're from the same litter. They're born at the same time. They're happily sleeping together and doing all of this. Then they grow and they get a little feistier and they get a little stronger. And each of them wants to do things their own way or they want to exert their territorial power. And then you get the square. Then you get the square of, okay, who's going to dominate? So you see, there's a lot of energy behind it that there isn't in the same way with the conjunction. 
Jupiter is in Aquarius. The modern ruler of Aquarius is Uranus. So right away, even though they're at war with each other, Jupiter and Uranus, they have something in common, which is this idea of equality and liberty and also not doing things in the same old way, which is more Uranian. If you want to expand, if you want to have bigger dreams, if you want to do things on a larger stage and in a bigger way, you have to be willing to break the rules. You have to be willing to kind of like, even if your origin story doesn't seem to support the direction you want to go, here's an opportunity in this long cycle, in this 13 to 14 year cycle, the chance to break out and also to look back. What we do with these kinds of cycles is look back you know, since 2010 in this case, and say, what have your dreams been? How ambitious have you been for yourself? Are you thinking small? Are you thinking big for yourself? And are you willing to stand apart from the crowd to fulfill your dreams? It's a closing square. So it's kind of the last chance. It's like a last quarter moon. It's as we look back and we reflect and we say, have I done everything I could? And we just get the one chance this time. We don't get three repeats of this square. We just get one. So this is about taking a big leap of faith, I think, and a big chance to think bigger for ourselves as we're moving into this time of so much being in Aquarius, too. Makes me think of Brene Brown's sign-off. Stay awkward, kind, and brave, y'all, she says. (laughs) Y'all. And that makes me think of Jupiter square Uranus. Yeah, I like that. I wish I had deeper thoughts to share about it, but I think on one level, it's about as simple as that, you know? Yeah. Think big. Be quirky. Let your quirkiness out. Mm -hmm. Be willing to stand apart from the crowd, because that's the only way you can really step up to the next level. That means sometimes just shutting out the noises of the crowd, too, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's kind of setting us up for the Saturn squaring Uranus, don't you think? Definitely. There are very different aspects, and Saturn really dominates the year because there are three passes of it, and it will be harder. But I think we often overlook Jupiter as part of the outer planets because we tend to think of him as just unremittingly good. He's always Santa bringing us our toys and the things we want, and Jupiter's not. He doesn't work that way. We can get into trouble with Jupiter if we are foolhardy, if we take risks that we are not prepared yet to take, and then we fail, and then we blame fate instead of our lack of preparation. And the Saturn is the part of, oh, well, we are going to be prepared for this by the time we get through. So do you think we have said everything we need to say about this Jupiter square to Uranus? I think we have, yes. And about this week in general, my friend, we have made it to the end of an epic show sheet. It's been so great sharing a blanket <laughs> fort with you, pal. Have we done it? Yes. Episode 64. Yeah. Woohoo! Fold up the blankets and close the fort. Will you still love our podcast when we are 64? That is the question we want to ask. Well, thanks to all of you for listening to our fine podcast. If you like what you're hearing, we hope that you will subscribe wherever you get your podcast podcasts, that you will leave us a rating or a review and help us spread the word, if you will, by telling a friend or sharing it on social media. Hey, Skywriter, Billboard. I mean, the sky's the limit. I'm working on Jupiter here. Help us out. Message in the sand. (laughs) Right. You can read show notes and full transcripts and leave your comments about each episode at our website, BigSkyAstropod.com. We're grateful to everyone who showed support during our Potathon Each week, of course, we thank one or two of you by name. Who do we have this week, April? This week, we want to give a Big Sky Astrology podcast shout out to Jenny Evans and October Crefassi. Yay! 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 
spoken with October, and frankly, I never thought to ask her exactly how she pronounces her last name. So forgive me, October, if I'm doing that incorrectly. But of course, I feel a great kinship to this person. We're both named for months of the year. And we have commiserated about that and all the predictable comments and uh, wisecracks one gets about that. Funny. And what I love about Jenny is she actually lives in Virginia and she's named Jenny. So I think that's really great. She probably gets some wisecracks about that too. <laughs> I'll bet she does. All three of you. Our poor beleaguered donors of the week. <laughs> well, Jenny and October, we appreciate you both. And we thank you so much for listening to our podcast and for supporting us during our September Potathon. Big thanks to both of you. And if you're a listener who didn't get a chance to support us during our podathon, you can always make a donation at our website, bigskyastropod.com. If you contribute $5 or more, we'll invite you to our special episodes for the equinoxes and the solstices. And we had one just a few weeks ago that you can still grab hold of if you want. Well, that is it for us this week. Join us again bright and early next Monday. And until then, keep your feet on the ground and your eyes on the stars. Thank you for listening. To learn more about April Elliott Kent, please check out her website, BigSkyAstrology.com, where you can sign up for her newsletter, read her thought-provoking weekly essays, purchase her books, sign up for a personal astrology reading, and more. That's all for today. If you like what you're listening to, please take a moment to rate and review this podcast and hit subscribe to stay current with new episodes. You can follow Big Sky Astrology on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Big Sky Astrology. Thanks again for joining us and we'll catch you next time.